Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament Lectionary Podcast. I'm Rosie Candethal. And I'm Tim McNinch. Our magnificent co-host, Dr. Rachel Wren, ah, is off this week. <laughs> so, Rosie, we're still in uh, what we call ordinary time <laughs> on this 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, November 13th. And we're sticking with the thematic or complementary first reading, the, the, the one that relates to the gospel election for the date. And that brings us to um, Malachi, right? The Italian prophet? <laughs> oh, wait, maybe uh, Malachi. Yeah, Malachi grown. 4. <laughs> As a side note, for listeners who are using the other first reading track, the, the semi-continuous RCL reading, which lists Isaiah 65 this week, you might want to check out our previous podcasts that feature that text. Lots of helpful stuff there if you're looking for some preaching ideas. But Rosie, you're up this week with Malachi. So what do we have here? <laughs> first off, uh, the RCL kind of gives short shrift to the first reading this Sunday, Tim. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm mad about it. Uh, <laughs> the first reading is Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and 2a. I mean, come on. They couldn't even give us all of verse 2? No, come on. The lector would barely be up there before they'd be taking their seat again, and that just seems unfair. <laughs> so, pastors, let me just say up front, I'm advocating. I think this reading needs to be extended on some level. So, Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 2a is part of the prophet's final disputation with God, which starts up earlier in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, and then extends all the way out to Malachi chapter 4, verse 3. My initial advice to pastors is to choose a portion that at least allows your lector to warm up before they're coming off the podium. <laughs> so pick something in there. <laughs> Fair enough. A couple of verses doesn't seem to do the lector or the book of Malachi justice. Uh, but that being said, what do we have here? Malachi is not exactly a book that most preachers or congregations will be familiar with. Um, might not even get the Italian prophet joke. So, um, how about a little background before we dive into uh, verses 1 through 2a? You're definitely right to point out that most people won't get the Italian prophet joke. And you're <laughs> probably right to point out that most folks wouldn't recall the book of Malachi at all. Uh, Malachi falls at the end of the book of 12, the so-called minor prophets, and concludes the Jewish prophets, the Nevi'im, and the Christian Old Testament. So it's the last book there. Uh, there's no biographical information for the prophet named Malachi in the book. And in fact, there's some debate about whether this refers to an individual person since the word in Hebrew, Malachi, simply means my messenger. The book is made up of six speeches or disputations, and uh, that means it's a type of legal brief in which each party makes their argument. And that is a style that we see in other earlier prophetic books, and Malachi offers no clear marks for dating, but since it references a governor and a temple functioning with sacrifices, as well as perhaps a concern for mixed marriages with foreign women, like the book of Ezra Nehemiah, most scholars date it into the Persian period the middle of the 5th century BC. This book also uh, is short, which is typical among the Book of the Twelve. Depending on the version you're using, Malachi is only three chapters in the Hebrew Masoretic text or four chapters in Christian Bibles. Mm, okay, well, since uh, we've gotten some background now, let's let's get into those actual lectionary verses. Malachi <laughs> 4, 1 to 2a comes toward the end of the book. Um, what's going on there? Right, um, so I have to admit that I was forced, because of the brevity of this reading of less than two verses, to really marinate in each word uh, in the RCL selection. 
So Malachi 4, as you said, comes toward the end of the prophet's final speech of disputation in the book. Since it's so short, let me read it for listeners and see if I can then break it down. So the verses read, See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Mm. All right. So I want to start by highlighting the prophetic address here, the kihene. Now, we often uh, highlight the way the pr prophet addresses audiences, and this gets translated in different ways into the English. So we get sometimes behold, look, see, whoa, watch out. You know, we've used all kinds <laughs> of ways to kind of translate this. But as we've noted in other episodes, the language is intended to get an audience's attention. Uh, so the, before the prophet actually says the content of what they want you to pay attention to. So here Malachi is saying, the day is coming, burning like an oven, like a stove or a furnace there. And so you get this sense of the temperature. It's hot, hot, hot. And you've got to get that image here because this heat is important to pick up here. Uh, not just for the judgment that's coming for all the proud and all who do evil, but for the contrast that will come in the next verse. So the prophet builds on the imagery in this first verse, making that fire rise higher and hotter. Those proud and wicked will be like stubble, like dry straw, like kash in Hebrew. It sort of sounds like the word. It'll burn up. It'll blaze on that day that's coming, says the Lord of armies. So the prophet repeats that phrase, the day that is coming twice in this single short verse, and then closes with this indictment, nothing will be left to them, not a root or a twig even. So here you've got this image of a totally burnt out tree, nothing left but ashes. Huh. So for somebody who was complaining about how short this is, you've certainly found a lot packed into that one verse. I know it's not fair, right? I complained and then I just kind of really got into it. <laughs> that verse is intense. The Hebrew builds up a fire that you just feel. It is stoking flames with every line, kind of repeating like a drumbeat. This kind of, to me, um, the musicality of Hebrew poetry is right here um, in the way the, the beat, the image kind of increases, right? The day is coming. The day is coming. And I haven't even gotten to the second verse yet, which turns that heat that's been building in verse one into something else. That second verse starts out, but for those that fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise, shall shine with healing in its wings. So here now you've got a picture of the dawn and the way that the light of the morning sort of fans out or radiating like a flame also, but with a gentle light and a heat that is the source of warmth, comfort, and restoration. That's the first word in Hebrew, v'zachah. So it's a radiating outward, the way that mm -hmm. wings on a bird might pulse outward in flight, or the light from the dawn gently fills the sky. I mean, it is gorgeous stuff in the Hebrew. You really kind of watch the prophet taking the flames that burn up the wicked in judgment, this image of justice as an all-consuming, raging destruction. And then, at the same time, in the next verse, it's also a source of comfort and healing for the faithful ones who serve God. That same heat is warming and encouraging them to continue to serve in the light of God's righteousness. 
Mm, it sounds like you're driving right into a preaching angle there. I know, right? So I started out complaining about how this is too short. There's no way, you know, you can't preach such a short verse. Uh, but I found myself mesmerized by the language and the imagery that's packed into these verses. There is a lot here, even in these two short verses, especially if pastors really want to draw on the imagery. What's nice about using the thematic or complementary Old Testament reading is that the RCL selection is designed to complement the gospel reading. And this week, the gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 21. Um, This is the uh, chapter in which Jesus predicts the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, including its conflicts, persecutions, and betrayals. This is what the faithful should expect in its wake. But at the end of that, Jesus, Jesus promises, quote, not a hair of your head will perish, but by your patient endurance, your hupomone, your stick with itness, you will persevere. The reading from Malachi similarly points to a coming day of judgment that is meant to assure the faithful that there will be a dawn to their long night. They just need to hang on. The Psalm portion, uh, Psalm 98, begins with, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. All the ends of the earth. Now, this portion comes to us in the middle of November, when many people in the United States will be turning their thoughts toward Thanksgiving celebrations in the following week. Now, I could see a sermon shaping out of a sense of gratitude, steadfast love and endurance, not only on the part of God, but also on the part of God's people. I'd invite folks to imagine this dawn that rises with healing in its wings. Where do folks need to imagine this healing restoration touching them, maybe touching their families? I would love to give congregations a moment of prayerful silence to imagine and then invite God's quiet healing dawn into an area of their lives or their family or the world. That could be quite a powerful way of taking the Malachi passage and its promise of healing into our world during the week. Hmm. Yeah, that's really striking. And this is such a visually rich little passage. I think it would be great to, I mean, if your worship service has the flexibility for such things, this would be a great one to invite people to draw something or to try to sort of creatively, artistically represent sort of what they're experiencing from this text. Or maybe that would be great for like a a Sunday school class or something that would go along with a sermon on this passage. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to add related to, I don't know, pitfalls yeah, I, I know I kind of got started on this uh, little, you know, rant I don't, soapbox there, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. the only pitfall I've got is writing off this week's reading from Malachi 4 as too short or too alien or too maybe judgment-like. Mm. So I found my own meditations on, on these verses and just even in the conversations that we're having, the imagery presented here is is quite enlivening and nourishing. Um, And I encourage pastors to patiently endure and stay with the language in this week's reading. It's always, I think, a pitfall to simplify this reading into a judgment for the wicked and comfort for the righteous. I mean, that's just sort of the black and white. Although that separation of camp good and camp bad is here. It's here in the Malachi reading. It's also true that this flame uh, of judgment also illuminates the fact that none of us is purely good or purely evil. The purifying fire of judgment can also be the light of healing and restoration for each one of us. And and that's maybe something that I would, um, you know, just offer uh, as a way of kind of sitting with this flame. I think it's helpful to see that in Psalm 98, 
It's all of the ends of the earth that see the victory of God and make a joyful noise together. And God's judgment there is presented as justice, uh, a welcome moment for the world. Oh, that's really helpful. Uh, and, And maybe that's a good spot to wrap up for the week. Thanks so much, Rosie, for inviting us into that brief text in such a rich way. My pleasure. Friends, we hope this has been a helpful conversation for you as well. You can find back episodes of the podcast over on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. While you're there, hey, check out our snazzy merch or make a donation to support the podcast with our super friendly donate button. We really appreciate your support to help keep this resource going. Our gratitude goes out to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for a grant that they've given us that we use for things like microphones and headphones and web costs and that kind of thing. And finally, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, How are you using the podcast? What are you finding helpful? What would you change? You can always interact with us on our Facebook page or send an email to firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rosie Candethel. Thanks for listening and have a great week.